So if you think about what we're doing in meditation, we're physically sitting still. And instead of following through on a thought and turning it into an action, we're watching the thought and not reacting to it. So you might have sat down and the first thing that I thought about was, I want a snack. But I'm technically like committed to sitting there and leading the meditation. Um, I mean, I, if I was really dying, I could have said, sorry guys, give me a second, I need some peanut butter. But I had the thought, but I didn't act out on it. I just watched the thought to go get the peanut butter. Now I might go do that after we're done. It's not a huge deal, but the opportunity to actually watch the genesis or the origin of action before it becomes an action, to understand how it turns from, maybe there was a physical sensation in the body, in this case, some sort of hunger, um, to arise to a thought, and then to see how that turns into a full action. It's a great opportunity to see that process. It doesn't mean that you give up on action because you're still acting, you're still sitting, you're still breathing. You're choosing to sit, not move. Um, but there's gonna be a fundamental shift in your experience of life as you practice meditation more and more out the shift is from this i want to say linear or sequential experience of life where things go from i do a to get to b to get to c what feels like very blunt and discrete actions moving from this to this to this, and they have a linear sequence. And I mean, that's the life that most people experience, not only in the course of a couple of minutes, but in the course of their life, they think about these stages of life, they go from childhood to adolescence to university to whatever. And then th these are different things that should happen at different decades in your life. But this approach or this way of looking at life is flawed. It's not actually the truth. It's not actually the true perception of reality. And it's not that you don't have these sequential things that still happen. But it's that your perception of the linearity of it shifts to non-linear that in the sense that I'm focused on the present moment. And so even though there are, there's a sequence of things happening, my, my mind stays right here in the middle. So, okay. A happens, but my mind is piercing through it straight. B then happens, but my mind is in the same exact place. So to someone who's practicing, the linear movement of life doesn't shake the kind of stability of, of the mind. 
And because that becomes your predominant mode, you don't experience life so much as a linear thing that this goes to this to this. Each moment is a surprise that kind of flashes itself on the face of consciousness. So if you think about the simple thing of like um, an old style movie projector, you'd have 30 frames per second. You'd have these little pictures, 30 of them over the course of a second that would move across a light and that light would flash through the, the pictures and it would create the impression of movement, right? So what in this analogy is most of us are living, we, we go just paying attention from sequence to sequence, from each frame to each frame. But as your practice deepens, you become more focused and interested in the light itself that's coming from the movie projector. And like we talked about last week, it's not that you don't function in the light in your life, but instead of being entirely swept up on each frame, like I'm putting 95% of my attention on not only what's happening, but getting certain things to happen because that's how I'm going to find my happiness. I better make sure the next frame is like this. And if it isn't, I'm going to be mad at myself or disappointed or, or mad at someone else. But when you shift to, well, I'm just paying attention to the light, the consciousness, the awareness behind each strip, each film strip, then it's okay if things don't go completely the way I want them to, because I realize that the light is always who I am and it's always what I need and it's going to be there even when these frames pass away. So you kind of give instead of 95% of your attention to being these frames and making the frames be the way you want them, you start giving 10% of your attention to them. And 90% of your attention is focused on the light, the awareness or the consciousness deepening into that. And what's great about that is it's not even really 10%. It's like you give 100% of your attention to the light over time and you start to trust that the, the frames actually become what they need to be without any intervention. Like you don't really have that much control over what the frames are happening anyway. So you don't really have, you, you give them attention in the sense that, well, they're happening. They happen to be flitting by on top of the light. They happen to be happening. But you're pretty much, you're, you're, you're above it or you're, you're distant from it. And so you're, you're non-identified with it. So it becomes less, less important what it is. So this, the topic of the talk tonight was FOMO, the fear of missing out. And how we often talk about the fear of missing out is the fear of missing out on like all the different things that are happening on the internet or happening in our city or in the world. Like, how can I possibly connect to all of these different things that are happening? But I think my bigger fear is the fear of missing out on my life. And what this, what this means is, is most people are like, I, I went to, I had to go to the hospital the other day cause Lachlan wasn't feeling well. He's okay. Um, 
and I noticed the nurse was taking his temperature. And in order to take the temperature, they have to put on these little pieces of plastic on the, the metal piece so that it's hygienic. And just in that moment, she was rushing and there was like the last piece of plastic in the box. So she threw away the box and she grabbed another box and she took the thing out and she popped the little tab off and then she put the thermometer under his armpit. And I just, not that I can read her mind and who knows, maybe she was enlightened, but I just had the sense that her goal was to get to the frame where she was taking his temperature. So it was a goal, a goal oriented awareness. Like I want to take his temperature. Where is that frame? Okay. It's six frames from now. And so the previous five frames of, oh, recognizing that the thing is, is I'm, I'm out. I have to get another box. I'm opening up the box. I'm taking another one. Like each of those frames in the movie, she missed. Again, I'm, I'm projecting, but she could have possibly missed because of how quickly she was doing it. And you know what? As a mindful parent, I wouldn't have minded so much if she was taking her, if she took her time and did each step mindfully. Like this needs to happen. And yes, this box needs to be open in order to get the piece of plastic to get to the next thing, to put it on so that it's there. There is a sequence of things that happen. There's cause and effect. There are conditions that are happening. But she basically in that, in that 10 second period, she, in order to get to that frame, she missed out on five frames of her life. And the reason we do that is because we say that the only important frame is the one where I'm taking the temperature or it's when I get home from work or it's when I am taking my first bite of the food or it's when I am like, you know, finally achieved my career goals in 30 years or when it's this. So we're always saying it's a frame there that is my life. And that all the other ones that are in between are not my life. So a, there's a fundamental flaw in seeing these things as you and identifying as each of the frames. But what's great is when you non identify as those frames and you are the light, when you cultivate the light consciousness, you actually get to see each frame because you're not so focused and tense around trying to get to the sixth frame. Each frame, because it is equally transparent to this light, is equally important. And my favorite, that, that's one story, but my favorite way of demonstrating this is when you get into your car. When I get into my car, or it's a transitional moment, somehow getting into the car, I always miss. I always miss it. All of a sudden, you have a moment of mindfulness. You're in the car, you're starting the car, but how did you get in the car? You missed it. How did you get to your cushion? You might've like been, Oh crap, Jeremy's going to be starting soon. So you went to go pee or you had your peanut butter snack and somehow you ended up in your cushion for when we started the set. But I bet you don't even know how you got there. You don't remember when you walked into your bedroom or your living room, wherever you are, which foot 
you stepped with first when you stepped into the room. You missed that frame. You don't remember exactly how you bent down, which knee you put down first. You don't remember if you were breathing out when you first clicked on Google Hangouts or if you were breathing in. You missed that. And what's funny is you probably rushed to get to the meditation so that you could be there for the practice, but in rushing to get to it, you probably missed it. You missed that whole section. And I can bet, I would be willing to bet, well, I don't have a ton of money, but let's say $100, that the second we stop the meditation, there's gonna be a moment in like 10 minutes or five minutes, or let's say even one minute, let's say you're close to enlightened, where you go do the next thing, whether it's check your phone or brush your teeth or grab a peanut butter snack, and you will not have remembered how you got to that moment. You will have dropped frames. You will have dropped out. And the only way to guarantee you don't do that is to fortify and strengthen mindfulness and concentration which you do by a daily meditation practice, but also throughout the day, you have to slow down everything that you do so that you don't miss a frame. Again, it's not that the frames are that precious, although they are, because they offer a gateway to the light that you see through the transparency of every frame. So yes, it's not that important that you're getting into the car. But if you miss that frame of when you're pulling the door shut, there's a moment there where you could see God, where you could see the light and you could grasp onto it and, and blossom it and, and, and make it larger. But you close your mind, you tune out and you just keep the light at the same brightness because at the low brightness, because you're not letting it come into each moment. So enlightenment is a gradual process. You'll have a sudden moment where you see the light <laughs> or where you see the transparency of the body and the mind and the ego. But it's actually a gradual enlightenment where by slowing down everything you do in your life, you let this consciousness, the consciousness of consciousness or the awareness of awareness come into each moment so that it just pervades and 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 exists entirely as your own consciousness. But you can't do that. You can't get there if you keep skipping over what you've judged as not important moments. You have to literally say every single moment of your life is the most important moment of your life. And if you aren't doing that, this enlightenment process will never happen. It'll never happen for you. So you have to slow down everything. So this can be really awkward when you're around other people because there's a certain expectation that you don't look like a zombie or that you don't like, and, and there's certain ways you can trick the system. You, sometimes I'll stand with my phone, like I'm looking at my phone because that's what everyone does and it looks normal but I'm actually not looking at my phone. I'm just meditating. There's a lot of hacks that you can do to make this happen, but when no one's around, 
everything I do is at a snail's pace, but no one knows that. It's like, it's a secret that only I have, but it's to allow this process to happen. Just be standing in your kitchen and you're just, you're just high on this light consciousness. So that's the fear. I have this tremendous fear, which is that if, if I have to look back at my life and regret that I just was, I was going for frame six, or I think I'm going to have this frame in five years or two years when this particular experience happens. And then I'm going to find out that that wasn't actually the point of life. The point of life was to be present in each moment. And I'm not just talking about like someone really near and dear to me passes away and you realize, okay, life's too, life's really short. You shouldn't, it, it, that's one iteration of this. But even deeper than that, you just have to, something has to click where you'll start to see that every moment you have an opportunity to glimpse into this reality. And that's where happiness is, not in getting to a particular frame. And so it's a shift in your appreciation of for what types of moments you're okay with, what types of moments you enjoy. They don't have to be, they could be deeply unpleasant, but those are also equally precious. And it's a shift in going from this linear mode, I'm focused on the frames, to I've actually jumped out of the stream of time and now I'm just focused as the light. And then I let this stream pass by. So that's a deeper fear. I don't know if you share that fear, but it's a very deep fear for me that I would miss out or that I would, because I'm not paying attention, I'm going to keep doing things that hurt myself where, where I, I let these unconscious drives continue to dictate what my life is like. Again, exactly where I'm at right now in my life, and it's um, for me. It's never. It was never a fear. It was just always a constant, constant. Like, bitch, I'm at frame two thousand always, <laughs> you know. Um, and I'm teaching myself to slow the fuck down. And like, I have all the time in the world. Like, I have more time than I think I have. And like. I rush through everything. I've been rushing my whole life. Like I just learned how to rush because it was, it, it was what I had to do. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, as I unpack everything and kind of like, you know, there's just so many cycles that I have to break, unconscious cycles that I have to break. And I'm deep in that process right now, but like slowing down and just doing things presently, it's really fucking nice. Yeah, I, get, I wrote a blog post once about the difference between rushing and hurrying. Um, so there, there, mm, are, oh, yeah. there yeah. are times where you have to hurry, right? Because you don't want to miss mm. the streetcar or like there's something falling off the table and you've got to rush to catch it before um, the milk spills yes. or whatever it is. But like rushing is built on this anxiety or agitation. Yeah, yes. Um, so that's what we want to uproot. For sure. All right. Well, I hope and pray that you 
you enjoy every single moment, whatever is arising, uh, so that when you rest your head down to sleep, you understand exactly how you went from this moment, from setting the intention to, to live a mindful life, this moment to the moment you put your head down on the pillow, how did you get there? What were the steps that you took? So good luck with that. All right, thank you so much, Jeremy. All right, guys, thanks. Good night, Tiffany. Yes. <laughs> Have a great night, bye. Bye.